at multiple times, it almost didn't get made. I don't think Nicholas Weiningreffen was on board the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Gosling wasn't always the lead. I think Hugh Jackman was going to be the lead at one point, which would have been a huge it mistake been a really in my opinion. Different film. So yeah, I think it was, and when you watch it, it feels very experimental in a lot of ways and kind of like got that indie vibe to it. Very, they did exactly what they wanted to make and it's not meant to like please a wide audience. Yeah. And I just really appreciate that. And to think that this almost didn't get made at any point is just a single tear down my cheek. I know, right? What may not have been. (laughs) Hey, what's going on, guys? My name is Kenneth Jackson. I'm an actor from Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm Trey Riley. I'm a writer-director from Charlotte, North Carolina. And this is Cinevibes. Had a lot of things running through my mind, but now I'm like, let's go, because I get to talk about one of my favorite movies, but... Before we get into that, what have you been watching? Well, even before that, I want the listeners to know that we're coming to them on election night. Oh, yeah, true. We don't care about any of that stuff. Like, we're here for you guys. We're here for you. Like, this is it. This is all that's on our mind. It's all that matters. Movies. But what have I been watching? Not much, actually. So it'll be quick for me, but the movie I did watch this week is called Clouds, mm-hmm. and it's on Disney+, Plus, so you can check that out. But it's Justin Baldoni, and he was he's actually been an actor for a really long time, and now he's transitioning into directing. Mm-hmm. But he did Five Feet Apart, which, you know, uh-huh. is a really good movie. Yeah. Kind of like a rom, not rom-com, young adult, like romance type thing. Yeah, it wasn't uh, one of the Sprouse's. In there? Mm hmm. Cole Sprouse was in that. So that was his first directing uh, gig. And now he's done this one, Clouds, which is based on a true story. Um, mm. Someone that was battling with cancer and uh, starts making music and like puts out an album. Mm hmm. So really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, gets nice. you in all your feels, gets the tears kind of on the edge of the eye a little bit. Mm-hmm. And in my case, rolling down my face profusely. But <laughs> yeah, it's a really good watch. Kind of does all the things you wanted to do, and I would mm-hmm. recommend it. Nice. What about you? So I made a solid effort to watch and finish uh, films this week. There are still some ones that I haven't finished from prior <laughs> attempts. But um one that I made an extreme effort to watch was The Picture of Dorian Gray. And this mm. is the 1945 version. And Dang. of course, it's on Criterion. It's where I get most of my content. Absolutely. But it was a, uh, it was a movie ad- adapted from an Oscar Wilde book. And I was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, of course, it's got, you know, older. Uh, it's set in England in like the 1940s, and of course that's a very different time. Uh, or maybe it's even uh, earlier than that, whenever Oscar Wilde had written the book. Um, but the time frame, it just was different for me, and you know, of course, when you're watching older films, it does that to you. But mm-hmm. The Picture of Dorian Gray, I'd recommend it just solely based on um, the premise. And I'm sure it. Uh, I, I did some research. It has a lot to do with the political agenda at the time and what was going on in England and has a lot to do with like class and uh, like ideologies conflicting a bunch of political stuff but Mm -hmm. what I took away from it was you know there's this man and I'll read you the slug line is a corrupt young man somehow keeps his youthful beauty but a special painting gradually reveals his inner ugliness to all so he pretty much makes a deal with the devil hey you know, I'm going to go out, do debauchery, whatever it is. And uh, if I could have my all of that that would happen to my body go on to this painting and me remain young and youthful and all of this forever, mm-hmm. I would do it. And it really it really resonated with me because 
um, I feel like I've had that mindset in the past as well. And even now, like I'm getting into skincare routine, you know, preventing aging, right? Because I, I, that's something that I want to do is maintain wrinkle creams. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I've got all that stuff now, and I'm starting to use it. And it's um, something that I'm very conscious of is being very healthy and keeping the youthful look that I can for as long as possible. Yeah, you know, be able to play a 30 year old when I'm like 45. I don't know. Um, and Gotta do that when you're an actor. <laughs> yeah. So I um it, it resonated with me. And what I wanted to do was take the picture of Dorian Gray whenever it's at the very end and it shows all of his sins and everything. I wanted to t- like I, I'm probably still gonna do it, but buy a poster of that and have it on my wall. As mm. ugly and terrible as it is, I think it speaks to me in the fact that, you know it shows that I, I can be vain from time to time. It's not vain to the point to where I'm like, I think I'm a God amongst men, but it's just like the, the idea of wanting to maintain beauty or at least the standard of beauty for a long time. Yeah. I think that's something I need to keep in the full front rather than let it uh, consume me. Right. And the picture represents like your internal ugliness. Mm-hmm. You can look at that. That'd be cool. Yeah. And I think it's just a reminder that, um, you know, it, what is on the outside is fleeting, in, you know, yeah. in that sense. Uh, so I watched that, and then I just started watching The Elephant Man. Uh, this okay. was the uh, 1980s, I believe, 1980 production by David Lynch. So, mm. and it's got... Who's that guy? Who's who's David Lynch? Only one of the best directors. But Anthony Hopkins, John Hurt, like got some big names in there, like Anne Bancroft, John Gilgood, all Man, these. John Hurt's been in so many movies. Yeah, John Hurt. I I love him yeah. as an actor. He's amazing. And uh, so is I started on, watching that. I'm halfway through. Is that on Criterion as well? It's on Criterion else? as well. Yep. Uh, Just like get them to sponsor this episode. I know, right? We need to get <laughs> Criterion on board, and uh, I have to send them an email so they can give me early looks at what they're gonna add, <laughs> and Absolutely. I can be I can be a curator. But yeah, that's pretty much all that I watched this week. Uh, other than drum roll, what are we talking about today? A lovely little picture that uh, took the world by storm because of <laughs> god dang. Ryan Gosling. You can't escape the charm you just that can't. is Ryan Gosling. He, he, I, all right, so we're talking about Drive, if you haven't figured out yet. It's a, it's an awesome film that I highly recommend. I believe Trey recommends it as highly as I do. I'm going to try and not overhype it, but my score yeah. is going to be high at the end. I'm just going <laughs> to say that already. So one thing, because uh, we're on the topic, Carrie Mulligan, she ended up doing an <laughs> interview and she was, uh, she talked about her acting in Drive, and she was like, "Really, all I had to do was stare lovingly at Ryan Gosling." <laughs> yes, I've seen that. I love that. It's so good. Yeah, this is a 2011 film, hour 40 minute runtime, crime drama, that is kind of subtle on the crime, mm-hmm. but focuses more on the love story that's kind of laced in there. Mm-hmm. And kind of what someone would do for someone that they care about, mm-hmm. and because of that, it gets uh, pretty wild at times. Yeah, and pretty quickly also. Yeah, but yeah. I think uh, I mean depending on where you want to start, I guess with the director Nicholas Weiningreffen mm-hmm. is like one of the most stylized directors that's currently making stuff, mm-hmm. and he's done. Neon Demons, which I actually recently just saw and thought was really amazing. Nice. And then he's done some other older things that I haven't seen yet, like um, Pusher and Bronson. Mm-hmm. I think his movies are hit and miss sometimes, if right. we're just talking about him as a creator. Mm-hmm. But his style is so like clear and obvious and in your face. Yeah. I can't deny that or you know count that against him. Mm-hmm. 
We'll get we'll get further into uh, some of the plot stuff later, but you're talking about style right now, and come on, that elevator scene was just <laughs> that is so style like stylish Every right there. Shot. I mean, if you start with any element, let's just say color, mm-hmm. like from the beginning, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Like yep. L.A. at nighttime, the orange and teal is going on, mm-hmm. driving through lights, like. Ryan Gosling just glistening in a street light or, you know, any, I could go on and on. Like every single shot is perfectly lit mm-hmm. and I, I can't not watch it. Like I just watched that movie. Just, I could play it without any audio and I would be completely satisfied. That's how beautiful it is. Yeah. And, you know, to move on to, uh, the cinematographer, like Newton Thomas uh, Siegel, he, um, I didn't know who he was, uh, mm-hmm. but I looked back through and my God, he's got some big credits. He's got Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. He's got X-Men Apocalypse. He's got uh, Future Past as well, X-Men, World War Z. And a bunch of other really big, big stuff. Superman Returns. He's got huge projects. This man mm-hmm. has worked on a lot, and he uh, Extraction as well, and oh, Defy cool. Bloods. He's done so many huge projects, and I honestly can understand why. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's so beautiful. I guess in terms of this project and some of those other ones you mentioned for him, this was kind of earlier on. Mm-hmm. Or kind of in the middle somewhere, but you know this movie in a lot of ways I think was considered an indie film because right. yeah. at multiple times it almost didn't get made. I don't think Nicholas Winding Refn was on board the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Gosling wasn't always the lead. I think Hugh Jackman was gonna be the lead at one point, which would have been a huge it mistake been a really in my opinion. Different film. So yeah, I think it was. And when you watch it, it feels very experimental in a lot of ways and kind of like got that indie vibe to it. Very, they did exactly what they wanted to make and it's not meant to like please a wide audience. Yeah. And I just really appreciate that. And to think that this almost didn't get made at any point is just a single tear down my cheek. I know, right? What may not have been. (laughs) You mentioned that Winding Refn was not the uh, first director that was on board, and I remember reading that because I watched it on Amazon Prime, and it has mm-hmm. that x-ray thing. And yeah, I was talking about really how cool. Winding Refn was not the first one, but he was brought on board by Ryan Gosling. Mm, interesting. So that's a, that's an interesting... Uh, because I believe he had worked with Ryan Gosling in the past, and Ryan was like, yes, bring him on. Yeah, that's really cool. It's uh, it's a really, lo- like, honestly, it looks so amazing. You were talking about the color. Like, color in general, like, the shots, the way it's composed, all of that sort of stuff was just well done. Fantastic. Yeah, the, the blocking in each shot. Mm-hmm. There's one that has been broken down in other videos a good bit, but in the hallway when she's out there. After it, like, there's a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And then she's sitting out in the hallway, and then he comes out. And the way that's lit and how the angles are and how they're blocked in the frame mm-hmm. is just perfect. And it kind of, like, sets up the dynamic between the characters, and then her, you know, husband comes out. Mm-hmm. And, like, the tension is real. And yeah. Other, until... Uh, husband's character i think his name's standard until he comes out i don't they don't say anything like Mm -hmm. most of their interaction like you mentioned at the start they're just looking at each other yeah but like that's all you need yeah i so one of the things that i did and this is something i just do as an actor is i'll if i can i'll go back and i'll look at the film script and i'll try to read what the actor was given and what I learned from that script was either <laughs> they rewrote it and I'm reading something that was just completely different uh, because there were a lot of lines that were not said in some of that stuff. And honestly, the film is better for it. 
that it cut yeah. out a lot of the like a, a lot of the lines because a lot of the stuff had more lines for Ryan's character and you know I was like it works perfect without it it adds this air of uh just mystery around Ryan's character without him saying much or at least saying so little that it's kind of like yeah mhm yeah I got it. like yeah I I thought um the the amount that was said I think I saw something just in terms of like line count. It was like less than a fifth of the script was actually spoken. Mm-hmm. And that was like a choice by the actors. Mm-hmm. Like they just like, we're doing this and we're not changing. Now hearing what you said about Ryan bringing on Nicholas to direct, mm-hmm. that makes a little more sense because it's kind of like, even though Nicholas is directing, Ryan's like maybe running the show a little more or something like that mm-hmm. to have like that freedom to just be like, and now we're not, we're cutting out like most of this. Like, yeah. We're not going to say these things. Cause yeah. usually, I mean, you don't get that kind of freedom. I think there's also the cutting room floor that has to be thanked for that as well, because I believe I saw that there were some takes where it was like, maybe there was another not theatrical release that, uh, was longer and it had more like dialogue in some mm. scenes but like one of the examples um was the hallway scene let's take that for example like she comes out and she or he comes out and sees her sitting on the floor and she mm-hmm. had like three lines four lines and then he had like he would respond she would respond he would respond she would respond so it was a lot of that back and forth but like when you watch the film they're like, she'll say a line like, uh, like the line that she had in that scene was, and it was, it was funny. It was like, oh, sorry about the music. Hope it's not too loud. And he goes, yeah, yeah I was going to call the cops. And she was like, I wish you would. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's absolutely perfect. But if And you that's look- like over a minute or a minute and a half. Like mm-hmm. the dialogue is really spaced out. Yeah, and if you if you read the script, it says, or from what I read, I'm assuming I, I got the script that they were shooting with, but it was like, hey, sorry about the music. I hope it's not keeping you up. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. It's not that big of a deal. And she was like, yeah, I wish you would call the cops. Like, she mentioned that sort of stuff. And oh. so it kind of, he took that line, and I love that because that added so much to the character. Like, Yeah. Because he stopped. He was, She was like, sorry about the music. Yeah, I was going to call the cops. <laughs> I was yeah. like, and, yeah. So when you watch Ryan in this film, and that's why I love like watching Ryan work, is because what I'm learning now in Meisner uh, is that, you know, and Meisner had written this in his book as well, is like you do not do anything until something provokes you to do something, mm-hmm. right? And that can be anything in the character, right? And that could be anything that the person that you're opposite gives something to you, whether it's a look or just like a little bit of a like, are you okay? Right. So it's like you're actually responding to the person. Yeah. And that's something that Ryan and I noticed that they were doing very well was that he would be sitting there and he'd be like straight faced and then he would just like have a little smile and like he had just delivered a line. And he would just smile and she would smile back and they would kind of like have that little moment. Mm-hmm. And this would go on for like 30 seconds. And then he'd deliver the last line that he had. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you can do that? So now like with that in mind, as an actor, I'm going to be like, I want to see how long I can go before I respond to the actor that I'm opposite. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to be looking for like, because it, it causes you to be more, like, aware of the person. It's like, if you take a minute rather than just saying the line, right. it's like, it it makes you, like, so much more aware of the person because you're looking for a reason to say that line. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what, like, you and I talking right now is like. I'm yeah. responding to how you look, and you're responding to how I I'm am. I'm thinking about what you're saying, then I'm speaking from mm-hmm. hearing those things. Yeah. yeah. It's more natural, but some for some reason we we rarely see that like there's never a time given between dialogue that a lot of times I think would be helpful. Yeah, definitely. Because people, I mean, we do a lot of looking at each other. You know, we don't like always talk when we're looking at each other, 
or just like trying to read people through their expression. Yeah. That that's one thing that I think uh that I'm learning now and also what you can see on display in the film is that many times you know they don't like the the bar scene whenever he's at the bar and he's having a drink and a guy comes over he's like hey man I got a job. And like if you watch Ryan's eyes during that whole thing like he is staring daggers into this guy like his yeah. eyes are saying like he says I'm going to kick your teeth down your throat if you don't stop talking to me right now. Yeah. Like, he says that, and his eyes are saying the same thing. Like, literally, he does not blink. He does not move. Like, he is literally, like... And whenever the guy gets up to leave, his eyes follow. And I, I was like, that is just absolutely fantastic. And, yeah. and uh, the connection between Ryan and Carrie is just they would look at each other. And, you know, many times when we're out in real life we're kind of afraid to look people in the eye, right? Mm -hmm. When we're when we're talking to people, it's kind of like, because I feel like we're raised to be like not as like open like that here in America. Like I would say in America, it's more of like polite not to do eye contact. And I was raised like that as don't make, don't like stare at people, don't do that. Uh, but in the film, you'll watch, they'll sit there and they'll stare at each other. It'll take like 20 seconds after staring at each other, but then they'll smile and start laughing and like, yeah. They'll just have a little moment and that's just what uh I that is being extremely vulnerable and open to the other person is like and yeah. I think it's on full display throughout the entire film. And I mean anyone that's had a like relationship with someone, significant other, spouse or whatever, like how often does that happen? Quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Like that's a real thing. Yeah. Like you're saying that vulnerability with it. I just think I mean, I've seen him do this in a different type of way in First Man, mm -hmm. where he has this stoic presence and he doesn't speak a lot. And, you know, Neil Armstrong was maybe the same way and he was trying to like embody that. But he's saying so much with his presence, his body language, his eye lines, like the expressions on his face or lack of expression. Yep. And... So that's like in that camp, but then you can also use it the way they do here in Drive with kind of like people falling in love and just like engaging with someone in a deeper way than any words could ever like help with or uh, deepen that love or that um, affection. Yeah, I 100% agree because uh, depending on your perspective, if you were just to sit there and like, let's say you're in a room with someone you really dislike and it's a scene with like, I don't know, an interrogator and someone being interrogated and they're just sitting there staring at each other. Mm -hmm. Like, that's tense. And, like, they're not going to be, like, crack a smile, start doing that stuff that Carrie and uh, Ryan were doing. No, nah, it's going to be, like, if he cracked a smile and it's the one getting interrogated, uh, he's probably going to be, like, get that look off your face, right? <laughs> Smash it, his head into the table. Yeah, it's going to be something like that. And like eye contact and just room to breathe is something that I think a lot of times it's not done in films and not enough time is given uh, because it's so snappy. It's like keep their attention on what's going on on the film and get like the, get the plot out there, right? Tell them what's going on, what's happening, what what all this stuff is, like dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. But that's what the unique thing about film is that you have the mode of both audio and visuals to tell a story. And so another film that Ryan was in uh, where he spoke very little, but when he did speak it was very prominent, was Blade Runner 2049. Mm, yeah, good so, point. He barely speaks uh, in that whole film, and when he does, it's very poignant. Um, but it's all visual and audio. Uh, so the way that Ryan acts, it very, it very much lends itself to that sort of storytelling. Yeah, and speaking of the way the story was told, the music yes. was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. It bangs. Uh, right there at the beginning... There's a song called Night Calls by Kavinsky. Kavinsky. I have that on repeat. Like, I listen to it almost every day. This is a song that is on my workout playlist. Like, I love that song. And then also Pacific Coast Highway by Kavinsky. Mm. I just that, 
aesthetic that it brings is just my god it's so like, dreamy it feels like it was made for this movie yes like that's how perfectly paired the songs were yes it, it literally feels like you're floating through a synth wave dream and like that's what if you watch this film it sort of feels like yeah it's just like a dream a, a fairy tale a, a, or a tragedy if you want to look at it like that absolutely but, it's just uh it it's it fits so well and I love the choice of Kavinsky. Another song, a real hero. Is that when they're driving through the canal? Yeah. It's so good. It's really good. I have that on my playlist as well. That's just like we're we're in a dream. Like we're just cruising in a dream. And that's exactly how the scene feels every time that I think it comes on uh when they go on that first drive together. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, at the end, maybe. Mm-hmm. It pops up again. That's kind of a cool choice. We can get to that later with the ending and oh, yeah. how that kind of sets up. But for anyone that hasn't seen it, a quick overview. Ryan Gosling's character, I think he's named Driver, mm-hmm. is like a stunt driver for movies. And he's kind of getting into some shady stuff, doing some side jobs where he drives for criminals, you know, robbing uh, whatever banks pulling off heists, pulling yeah. off heists, yeah, things like that. And so that's kind of where we jump in with him, and then he meets his neighbor, which is Gary Mulligan's character, mm-hmm. and they kind of start hitting it off, and then it escalates from there. Yep. Yeah. It. So one of the things about this, and of course, spoiler alerts, I don't think we have to do that much anymore. (laughs) Anytime it would come up to the points where I knew there would be action and there would be these really like very like high paced, like shocking scenes, I was still bracing myself for them. I knew Mm -hmm. they were coming, but I was like, I don't know if I'm prepared to see this again. Um, One of the first ones that comes up before it all starts going down is with Standard and him having to do the job. After getting out of jail, he still is in debt with some people and he has to go rob a bank for like what he says uh, is a debt of $2,000. And so Ryan hears about this. Uh, he's worried about Carrie Mulligan's uh, and the son, mm-hmm. uh, their characters. Benicio, I think is his name. Benicio, yeah. And... He- He's like, I'm not letting that happen. So what he does is he he offers his services as a getaway driver for the heist. And, you know, all seems to be going fine. It's very tense before it. Like, they build up the tension so well in this film. Because it's almost like if someone were to sneak up on you while you're watching this and, like, just slightly (laughs) scare you. Like, let's just say your mom just walked in without you hearing and she just says... Yo, do you want those nachos? You'd probably jump out of your seat. Slap the nachos out of your hand. Yeah, you'd probably get so <laughs> scared. But it the tension is built up so well. And then I even knew what was coming, but I was still on the edge of my seat because I was like, I don't yeah. know if I'm prepared to see this again. And so uh, standard Oscar Isaac's character comes out and, you know, he's shot. He, uh, Ryan and uh, Christina Hendricks' character take off in the car they're chased they get away from the guys hotel thing hotel room now he finds out that it was a setup and pretty much is like yo take me to the guy that set us up she's like okay she goes into the bathroom to make a call while she's making a call i'm like i knew this was coming again you know you mm-hmm. kind of calm down you've got off that apex of the roller coaster you know you're starting to go around a bin you're starting to feel like you're on a kitty ride now but now <laughs> A man standing outside the window with a shotgun and blows <laughs> Christina Hendricks away. And I'm like, oh, God. It's Ryan throws the mattress brutal. in front of the door, shoots the guy or uh, wrestles the gun away from the guy, shoots him, shoots the other guy, gets away. Another like heart pounding escape. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I knew it was coming, but I was not prepared again for what was happening. And. Just what goes on with Ryan's character after that point is he just goes on a vengeance for, you know, yeah for Carrie's character. He's out to just set everything straight, pay all the debts. It doesn't matter who's in his way, like they're going down or mm-hmm. they're going to leave him alone. And of course, no one ever leaves him alone. So 
just yep. body count starts stacking up. Yep. I think the action in this movie is interesting because, like, I don't know what the runtime is. That'd be an interesting thing to look into, but comparing, like, that to the actual amount of action mm-hmm. is probably pretty small, I would say. Yeah. Because, like, there's so much time in between these things, but then they happen, they're like, bam. Yep. Like, there's just one minute, just, like, four people die instantly. Yep. And so... I think that's really interesting because it kind of leaves you with not feeling like you're watching action, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It really uh, is a story that's driven more by the internal conflicts and setting up the story and the world of Drive and uh, definitely focuses a lot more on the connections between people. And the action is more of like what throws gasoline on the fire, right of those Mm -hmm. relationships those already timid relationships but for ryan and carrie's character it's already solid he's like i will die for her right yeah and so he's gonna do whatever he can to make sure that she's safe and that that's what led to the whole entire getting involved with common and uh being a getaway driver and so the plot definitely connects uh very well in my opinion because i think it works out that you know if Ryan's character was not a getaway driver, probably would not have gone through with all that stuff. And he probably would not be the same person that would be able to go and take out some of those people like on the beach and <laughs> then also later be able to survive a knife wound, right? From a straight up gut shot from a guy and then take him out, you know? <laughs> it was it's stuff that... That was the most beautiful and elegant knifing i've ever seen yeah because like it focuses in on their shadows on the ground mm-hmm. and it's just like such a stylistic and like perfect choice in my opinion yeah because it like with that it it just doesn't show you what is going on you have to infer what's going on so yeah. i think that you know Ryan's character, I, I enjoyed the way he acts. I definitely want to take some stuff away from him in the fact that he he literally lets everything breathe. He does not jump into his lines. Now, if you're in a film like what we were talking about with Eden, where you're in one of those like lawyer courtroom uh, type sure. dramas, uh, and it's going back and forth, you're throwing stuff out. I accuse you of this tax fraud. No, I didn't do that. Like you know, you're going back and forth with mm-hmm. somebody. It needs to be that way. It needs to be snappy because you're in the heat of the moment, right? But in this film, that's not the mood. That's not the aura that it's trying to give off. And Ryan definitely plays into that heavily with just literally having said a line and then waiting a minute to give the second line. (laughs) Because there's the scene where he is at her place and I think this is just after they get home uh, from like driving around and bringing in staring, the groceries or some uh, another thing. He, he was he was staring out the window, and yeah, she yeah, yeah. she walks okay. up to him, and she's giving him his jacket, and like that whole scene takes about three minutes, and like two minutes is that them is them staring at each other, right? Yeah. It's it it lets it breathe, and his acting I definitely want to take a lot from it is the fact that I'm I'm going to take time in my acting and make sure that I'm not going to say a line until I feel it or at least like not going to just jump ahead and of course Carrie she does fantastic job as well like with some of the stuff she gets like she has the play losing her husband and a husband she may not have been want like wanted to be with but she's got a kid she's got all this stuff she's got a boyfriend that's like crazy as hell like kills (laughs) a man in the elevator right in front of her and I that moment where they stop and stare at each other, again, another moment where there's no talking for like 30, yeah. 40 seconds, and they're just staring at each other. And I'm like, in my mind while I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, he knows he can never be with her. Let's go right. to the elevator scene since you yep. are dancing around it. So the elevator scene is right after uh, Common. I don't think it's right after Common was... Uh, or. Is it common or is it standard? Standard. Standard, yeah. Uh, standard. He's taken out and she's being, she's with the uh, lawyer, standard's lawyer. Uh, and he's like, Can we talk? She's like, No, I can't. And he's like, Could you at least walk with me just uh, for a little bit? They say yes. And then they go to the elevator. 
as they go to the elevator, this guy in a suit, which he, he's actually titled Tan Suit in the film, <laughs> he uh, he's in the elevator and he's like, oh, wrong floor. And, and uh, I know something's up. Yeah. And so uh, Carrie and Ryan get into the elevator and Ryan spots the gun. Camera work was fantastic, showing that from perspective, Ryan sees the gun. Mm-hmm. And so he knows what's up immediately. He's like, oh, this guy's here for me. Because at this point, he had already told, hey, I have the money. And so they know where he lives. And so this is one of the most stylized scenes of the entire film, I believe, uh, in the fact that literally they're standing in full light. Like it's not completely like washed out, but it's like they're standing in full lights in the elevator. You can see everything. But then music comes up. And uh, I can't remember what song it was. Maybe it was still uh, a real hero. And it starts playing. And then they, Ryan turns around, pulls her to the side, kisses her for like a solid 15, uh, 20 seconds before uh, turning around and uh, taking the guy out. And then ultimately pulverizing his head with the (laughs) heel of his boot. And then that whole pause afterwards, I just told you, was like so beautiful because the way they played it, it just I could see in Ryan's eyes the way he played it was I can never be with you. And, you know, I'm a horrible person and I I don't want you to be around someone like me. Right. That's what I got from him watching her and her watching him was just very like horrified and just. It's like (sighs) I don't know if I ever knew you. But I still maybe love you. Yeah. It's kind of like how she's playing it. Mm-hmm. And it's the most beautiful scene in the film, followed by the most gruesome death. Mm-hmm. Like within seconds, it just switches. Yep. And you can't really get away with that in a lot of movies. And I think movie a movie like this has that flexibility to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a great choice. And well acted in all regards. The lighting, fantastic. Yep. And uh, yeah, probably one of my favorite scenes. I don't really categorize scenes, but mm-hmm. if I had a top ten, this one would be in it. Yeah, definitely. I I love that scene and just what how powerful it was. Was it shows the passion that Ryan has uh, for Carrie's character. And like he wants to be with her, and I, I, in my mind, I was like, thinking back on it now, the why he kissed her like that was because he probably was like, I'm never gonna get this chance again, because yeah. he She's knew be what would happen shot. after he killed the guy right in front of her, and just absolutely brutally like stomps on his head, and you could see like the anger and the hatred and. That hatred was not born from him being a horrible person. That hatred was born out of him wanting to protect her. But from her perspective, she sees someone who is just, you know, just killed a man. I don't think she knows that he's in that deep with somebody or with the mob, like the mob and stuff like that. So to her, she probably is looking at him like, oh, my God, he's capable of killing someone. But she doesn't understand it's for her. And mm-hmm. so I think that's the big conflicting thing in that scene that I just love. Yeah, and, you know, we've talked about standard Oscar Wilde's character a little bit. Oscar Isaac. Oscar, Oscar Wilde Isaac. was the author. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I got, got it stuck in, in your the, head. Got me in the Dorian Gray world. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, his character, he isn't, like, necessarily portrayed as a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Which I think was intentional. Yeah, I think that was because he's good like choice. trying. You can genuinely feel he's trying to like redeem himself, and mm-hmm. like he loves his son, and like that's the only reason that Carrie Mulligan's character even is giving him the time of day, if yeah. I had to guess, and like sticking around for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of times you just see like guy comes out of prison, like he's a bad guy. And, of course, yeah. we're already kind of, like, in Ryan Gosling's camp, so we want to, like, root for him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, well, they were a family. So you kind of have, like, yeah. a little bit of empathy for just keeping that family together. 
Mm-hmm. So it's actually kind of tough seeing him get shot and gunned down. And that is a very intentional choice to make him not just the run-of-the-mill bad dude that's in jail, gets out. Because like, you wouldn't care about it then. Yeah. And like you wouldn't care about how Carrie Mulligan's character feels about losing him. Mm-hmm. And like how that's going to affect her son. And so I think there's the relationships that are kind of built through subtle things mm-hmm. were really powerful because, I mean, it's all visual. Like, yeah. we're not hearing a lot from any of the characters except, like, the mob boss dudes that are kind of whining and dining and doing all the shady stuff, which mm-hmm. ultimately blows up in all their faces. Yeah. Because enter Ryan, but... Yes. Um, Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen that very often. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I'd like to see it more, to be honest. I'm mm-hmm. sick of seeing just old bad guy. Yeah. No one cares about him. Obviously, an antagonist. Like, no one's that cut and dry. Like, that's not a real yeah. person, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree that Oscar Isaac, the way he played the character was extremely, you know, it's almost in the beginning. You know, we we talked about how when he gets home and has that reunion and he comes out with the trash, there's that tension. You thought they were going to fight right then. Yeah. There's that tension that. um, So you sleep with my girl or what? Yeah. So it's almost territorial. And Ryan's character is just like, you know, he's like, you know, smiling during the whole scene, too. And. So he's being really cool and calm about it. Oscar Isaac's character is probably the one that's more of like, oh, you've been coming around a lot more. Yeah, no, no, no. Let me, let me, let me talk to him. You know, right? Um, he's being a little bit more uh, upfront about it, uh, but not saying it, but kind of being more subtle, like undertone, like I know what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And then later on in this uh, movie, I, I don't feel like whenever he's getting beat up, I feel for him. I'm like, you know, and then he explains what happened. He gets upset at Ryan and it's just like, what? You want to know about my problems? What are you going to do? You're a stunt driver. Yeah, he says that. But at the same time, he's like, this is stuff that I had to do protection money while I was in jail. And, you know, I don't want to do it. I told them I'm not going to do it, but they're making me do it. Right. So you can tell he has this internal conflict with what he has to do and what he doesn't want to do. Like he wants to be there for the family. But like he has to go do this. And so you don't feel 100% bad about him. You feel like you feel bad for him, yeah. uh, not about him. And uh, of course, Ryan's character, we still pull for in the end because he's more of the like, you know, we, we feel he's the best option for Carrie's character or at least right. like we're led to believe. And but I still think that given the right circumstances, I would probably still like standard, like, you know, as a human being. Maybe he went to jail, but that doesn't mean he went to jail 100% for being a terrible person, right? Like, even in the hotel, uh, Ryan Gosling, when he's got her pinned down on the bed, Mm -hmm. he's like, you're the reason why a kid lost his father today. Mm -hmm. Because, like, he could see even though he was falling in love with the dude's wife, he's like, well, I'm trying to protect like that family so that yeah. they can have a future. Mm-hmm. And obviously that didn't work out, but yeah. Yeah. It's just when you start picking it apart, it becomes pretty complex, even though mm-hmm. it's fairly like the storyline simple. Like everything is straightforward. Yeah. There's no real guessing on what's happening, but the characters are deep and conflicted. Yeah, and I don't want to dance around it either. I, I should have mentioned this earlier when we were talking about actors, but Brian Cranston's in there. Like mm. I love Brian Cranston, and I think he did a great job as uh, uh, Shannon. Shannon. Was, I remember I was like, oh, man, that's a girl's name. What an interesting name. Yeah, <laughs> he, um, he, he did really well, and I enjoyed it. Like I just enjoy watching Brian Cranston in yeah. general. He just um, plays the guy that can't catch a break so well right like, even look at breaking bad like that's essentially his whole storyline mm-hmm. and another one was uh ron perlman 
I really enjoyed. That guy has the largest like facial structure of any human being on earth. <laughs> it is very prominent. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to mess with him. I love it. Yeah, he's. I enjoyed watching him as well. It was really interesting. Yeah. What a character. But yeah, I I enjoyed this movie. I think it was, you know, when I saw it for the first time, it was because I'd heard it was a cult classic and that it was something that if you want to watch films that are more underground and not mainstream, this is ultimately what is. Yeah, it's on the list. This is one of the top dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I highly recommend it just because of like what we had talked about with the stylization and just the way it looks and the cinematography, directing, the acting is fantastic. Yeah. I, I can't give them enough props. One last thing to kind of put a cherry on top with Nicholas Weiningreffen. Mm-hmm. He's colorblind. Oh, no. So, I have no idea. Like... The fact that his movies are these vibrant, brilliant colors, first off, is amazing. But secondly, it's because he can only perceive contrast. Mm. So, like, the lighting is so harsh and, like, moody, if you want to call it that. Because that's, like, the only way he can see. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know that when I first saw Drive, but I found out later and I was like, it makes that's so insane. Much sense. Like, it's actually like a gift in a way for him to have that because it just forces his movies to be at such a heightened level Contrast, of coloring yeah. and contrast. And honestly, it's the same thing with Neon Demons. When I saw that, it's just like, wow, how is this captured in a camera? Yeah. I, I don't understand. That's fantastic. So I thought that was a fun fact about him. Well, that is extremely fun. I enjoyed that one. That was... <laughs> I, I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket next we're time I watch it. We're just offer nuggets. That's how we're doing. We offer nuggets here. Uh, top-notch content and nuggets. <laughs> Nicholas Winding Refn, next, next time I watch something of his, I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah. This film, what would you, uh, what's your what's your opinion? Get, throw, me, throw me your score. My score is tough. I want to like act like, it's a perfect film because I actually don't, like, I can't, I've seen it three times. I can't think of something negative that I want to say about it. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, for the sake of not giving away my 10 out of 10, I'm going to go 9 out of 10 on this one. Man, why do you have to do this to me? I was going to give it 9 out of 10. <laughs> I, I swear, I, we're not kiss. doing this. We're not doing this on purpose. These aren't planned. We this haven't isn't planned this at all. Like, I swear to God. I, I was going to give it 9 out of 10. I was really hoping you'd say like maybe something lower, like 8, eight or something like that. But no, I was going to give it 9 out of 10 because, I mean, as you said, like the 10 out of 10, it's got to be something that literally like, I'm a watch every single week. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be something that I'm literally like, you know, I'm going to make sure that I watch this like as a ritual. Like we haven't reviewed, we haven't reviewed John Wick yet, but when <laughs> we do, I'm reserving that spot. <laughs> well, I guarantee you that I'll have a lower rating then in that case. When nice. We that <laughs> not in a negative way, just not a 10 out of 10 for me. I feel you. But I was going to give it a 9 out of 10 because as I was watching... I'm not going to say that the continuity was uh, an issue throughout it, but X-Ray definitely uh, brought my attention to it because it has that thing for goofs mm. and production issues that happen, okay. or at least like little uh, uh, anomalies that happen throughout it from shot to shot. Whether it's just a patch on Ryan's shirt switching sides or... You know, when the car goes over the cliff and, like, hits the beach, you can see a little bit of the truck that was used to toss the car over. And uh. Uh, there's, uh, and also when he does run into the car, you you would assume that the front end of his car would be smashed, but his headlights still work, and the front uh, end is still yeah. perfectly fine. So, like, continuity-wise, if you're really scrupulous, you're going to be like, no. But if you, want, <laughs> if you enjoy good movies with uh, stylized content, this is right up your alley. Because, like, yeah. I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, yeah, that is true. It does not add up to, 
the headlights still working, but it makes a damn good picture when you see the headlights and the smoke and all that. And I was like, absolutely, that that is worth me noticing that something is not physically correct. I think I noticed a decent bit of stuff like that in the chase with the um, Mustang and the Chrysler 300. Yep. Because just some of the cars weren't lining up how you think they would if the shot's just turning in directions. Yeah. But then I was like, do I care? Nope, I don't yeah. care. No, like, that's it. It's It's honestly like suspending belief. It's like... Yeah, I really don't care because it looks great as hell. Yeah, like it's they like could have had a camera in the shot, and I would have been like, "Okay." Like, <laughs> you could have had a Starbucks me. cup sitting on a table, <laughs> and I wouldn't care. <laughs> no one's calling out the Starbucks cup in this one. No one's calling out a Starbucks cup in this one, but I highly recommend this film. Uh, so does Trey, and it, it's a film where if you want to get into the underground of, or at least like the more uh, lesser known films. This is one to go with. And then also this is up the alley of an A24 film. Sure. Yeah. Just kind of people that love what they're making. Let the creator create like all those things that you expect from those type of films is exactly what drive is. Yeah. hundred percent. Here's a plug for all the movie buffs, if you don't happen to have it already. Just Movies is an app you can get on your phone, and it tells you where every movie can be watched and how much it is or if it's streaming free. Definitely get that, and it'll Just keep you movies. from having what I'm, Ken had happen. <laughs> yes, please. I, I need that now. I'm downloading it right now. Because you can set the streaming platforms you have or you know what you want to see on there. And you just type in any movie, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's on Netflix, Amazon, or it's not, and it's $4 to rent. Is it Just Watch? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did I say Just Movies? I think no, you I said have. Just Movie. Just so Watch. Just, just Watch. I downloaded it right now. Yeah, um, live, as we're on air. As on air. Uh, so, thank you guys so much for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed Drive as much as we did, if you haven't seen the film. I don't know what you're waiting on. You've already got our opinions, and it's a stellar film. Definitely go check it out. Uh, but also, go check us out on Instagram at the Cinevibes, where we just recently posted about something that will be recurring over the months to follow, and that is the movie draft. We're going to keep yeah. going. The most recent one was 2000 that we recorded. and The inaugural episode. Yep. And so all of that can be found over on our Insta. If you want to reach out to us, telling us how much you love Ryan Gosling and how much you want him to stare at you like he does at Carrie Mulligan, you can send us an email at cinevibescast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And we're out.